BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey guys, welcome back to We Met at Acme. I'm so excited. I feel like my childhood dreams. I don't know if I ever had a childhood dream about interviewing Josh Peck because I feel like that would be so niche and crazy, but I've always looked up to him, thought he was an amazing actor, love that he's sober. And I'm so excited for this episode today because I got to interview him and talk to him all about so many incredibly interesting subjects that I think you're going to really enjoy. But before we get into that, I'm just going to briefly answer your questions for the solo and then we'll get going. Okay. The Disney World wedding. I mean, I don't even know where, how to begin. My, one of my really good oldest friends, her name is Alexis, and she has been obsessed with Disney since before. I mean, she could even talk. Like she was obsessed, obsessed. She used to go on all the Disney cruises. She, I think she goes to Disney like at least three times a year. Um, even when she moved to London, where she's been living the past three years, she still made it to Disney. She loves it. She's obsessed with it. And of course, she was going to have a wedding in Disney. Like it just was never a question. And she had this dream. She had this vision her whole life. And it was so much more than any of us could have ever expected. It was such a treat to be a guest at this wedding. It was done so beautifully So basically the wedding itself was at the Four Seasons Orlando, which is a hotel that's really nice in Orlando, Florida. And then, um, you know, we had on Saturday night was the wedding and it was beautiful and just so elegant and stunning flowers and all the amazing things. So we got like some Mickey Mouse ears and then we were shuttled in buses to Disney World, to um, Epcot Magic Kingdom. I think, are those the same thing? I think so. And Alexis had rented out the park for us for four hours. She had every single food item you can imagine, like Disney branded food, right? Like there are Disney waffles, there are pretzels, mac and cheese, chili cheese dogs, like everything and anything you could ever imagine. And there were different stations opened, like a caricature station. There was a photo booth station. There was... um, Oh, sorry. Did I mention that the Space Mountain, the ride was open for us? It was the most insane thing. We were all going on Space Mountain. Apparently, there's not like... You know, people don't drink alcohol at Disney. There's only like 
a one place where you can get like a beer and it's a new development. So it was like all these drunk people at Disney. And like it was so incredible. I've never gone to Disney and like not had to wait online for two and a half hours to go on Space Mountain. It was the most insane experience going there in all of our nice dresses and suits. There was a DJ DJing in the Magic Kingdom. Like this was an experience I'll never have ever again in my life. I mean, there were fireworks behind the kingdom. It was just, it was so amazing. And so that just, it needed recognition. Love is Blind season two thoughts. I watched the reunion while I was in Orlando and it was probably the most entertaining hour of television I've seen in such a long time. Like, Shake was fighting with Nick and Vanessa Lachey with obviously Nick Lachey. It was absurd, absurd. Like every single person, I th- he's like, you know, when like you think that you're like ahead of everyone and you're like, you know, I guess on a reality TV show and you're like, this is fake, like kind of like a Spencer Pratt vibe. Like that was what Shake continued to do over and over again. And it's like, dude, like, do you ever, do you ever want to be and like get another job in this industry? Like, what are you doing? And everyone like hated him. Anyway, so as you can tell, I was not a fan of Shake. I love Deep T. She's amazing, amazing person. I thought Shayna definitely never was into the guy she got engaged to and was always into Shane. And like, honestly, I think based on the reunion, they've already slept together. I think Natalie is so sweet, but like Shane was not the person for her, will never be. And she deserves someone as sweet and cute as her dad. The other couples, let's see. I have to, I have to look them up, but I really loved um, Danielle. I think she's amazing. I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent sold on the guy that she ended up with. He was a little a little questionable to me, but apparently they have gone to therapy, which is amazing. Everyone should take note of that. And apparently they're good. I mean, they seemed good at the, they seem more aligned at the reunion. Jarrett, awesome guy. Love him. Always thought he was great vibes. I actually thought him and Ayana were like perfect from the beginning. But then I thought that there was like inappropriate flirtations with Mallory and then the, those continued. So I, if I were Ayana, I would have probably not married Jared because I would have been like, you basically were ready to like toss me away for Ayana. And like, I could see that behavior happening again. But who knows? You work through things, you go to therapy, you just, you never know. Um, those are pretty much all of my thoughts on that. Yeah. And then moving along to what it means to be a modern good girlfriend. To me, this means giving your partner freedom to like still have fun and be themselves. Like the worst kind of partner is the person who when someone starts dating them, you never see them again. And and it's all about like, you know, what their partner says and wants them to do. Like that's that's the worst. So be someone who continues to create that sense of independence for your partner. I love how you said modern because like times really have changed. I think putting in your half of the relationship when you travel, like I, I split things with Steven or like, if it's like my friend's wedding, like I'll pay for it. Like obviously our money is like now the same, but 
you know, once you're official, you can start doing those things. Before that, he should obviously pay for you and he should continue to pay for your dinners. But you can you can pull your weight in other ways. Like if you're living together, you get the groceries. I love to cook for my partner. I That's not modern, but I love it. And he loves it. If he could cook, he would do it for me, I'm sure. Um, and I think other ways is just like show interest in their life. Like be their like career coach, if you can be like a shoulder to lean on and make sure that you're bringing interesting things into the relationship and keeping it, keeping it exciting. I think just being a good girlfriend is making their life easier, easing their burdens, not, not making them worse. How I knew I was ready to get married. Ooh, this is a great one. I think because I'd done all the work on myself and not all the work. There's so much more work to do. Holy shit, there's so much more. But I had done work on myself and I was financially independent. Um, and I felt like my career was in a great place that I was really happy about. And also, and probably most importantly, I found someone that was like for sure the person I wanted to be with for the rest of my life. That changed everything. So even if I didn't have the other things, I think if I had found, you know, Steven and and the time was right, like that's, it's when you know you want to get married, when you are with and see the person that you want to marry. Sex positions. This is a little vague. Um, I'm going to say my favorite position is on top. And it's okay if you're not doing these like crazy acrobatic sex positions, as long as you and your partner are happy with the sex that you're having. And lastly, how to attend a wedding solo. I feel like people are so scared of this, but it's actually such a fun thing. Um, You end up getting to talk to so many people that you didn't know. Couples welcome you into their conversations, into their dancing. Like my friend came to the wedding this weekend without or last weekend rather, without her fiance. And we were just like hanging with her, dancing with her the whole time. I honestly was jealous of her because she was able to like spend more one-on-one time with the bride, you know? So like look at it as an opportunity to hang with the bride and groom, to talk to new people that you haven't met. Like when the four women that came solo to my wedding all met guys. So just like, don't be afraid to talk to people by the bar to join conversations that you don't know and just, you know, start off with like, so how do you guys know the couple? Like there's so many good icebreakers at weddings. So use those to your favor. And now to Josh. I'm not going to lie to you. I never remember to like take vitamins. Like that's just not, that's just not what I do because it's not enjoyable. It's not as enjoyable as drinking athletic greens. That is something that I have now become hooked on. Hooked on, I do it. So in the morning, first thing I do is work out. Right afterwards, I take a scoop of Athletic Greens, which is 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole foods, source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens. Like, whoa, that's a mouthful. And then I mix it with water and that's literally it. I don't have to do some fancy thing. I just do that. I mix it and I drink it. And I've gotten obsessed with the taste, obsessed with the taste. And honestly, you should too, because it supports better sleep. It supports better recovery for your muscles. It gives you more mental clarity and alertness. It's really, really amazing. And that's all based on science. So like... (laughs) 
You don't have to just listen to me, listen to science. But seriously, it's really amazing. And the founder created Athletic Greens after experiencing how difficult it was to create an optimal nutrition routine on your own. So they're looking out for us, you know? Also, Athletic Greens is a sponsor of this podcast and they want this podcast to succeed. So like, I want them to succeed, you know? And so should you. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash Acme. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash Acme to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Check it out. Back to the episode. Hi guys, welcome to Digging Deep. I'm Dr. Sasha Shokrin, the relational doctor, but more importantly, a human just like you with a story that continues to unfold. Each of our lives is compiled of stories, and my job is to help you detangle those stories. As a psychologist, I'm here to tell you that growth is never linear and that life is full of highs, lows, and everything that exists in between. My plan is to dig deeper into the stories that will inspire us, move us and remind us that we're never really alone. Don't miss a new episode of Digging Deep every Monday, anywhere you listen to podcasts. Hey guys, welcome back to We Met at Acme. I'm so excited to be here with the Josh Peck. Hey, Josh. Hey, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. So for anyone who has been living under a rock, can you tell us how old you are and where you're from? I am 35 years old, which is not attractive. I'm like, I'm fine. Like 34, I was like, that's cute. Like that's early 30s. But now I'm 35, like I'm properly that age. I don't know. I feel like 35 is like the new 30. Is it? It is. I mean, you've also like, you've had, you've gotten married, you've had a baby. So like you've earned 35, you know? I don't want to reveal too much to, to the listeners, but how, why are you at Disney World as we speak? <laughs> My friend is one of those Disney adults. Boy, oh boy, let's talk about that. <laughs> she is getting married here, actually, tomorrow night. <laughs> that is awesome. Mm-hmm. Is it going to be a Disney wedding? It is a Disney wedding. She actually shut down the park and we will be going on... Is your on, friend Beyonce? Like literally, yes. And we'll be going on Space Mountain after the wedding. Okay, you don't have to say who this is, but is this is this a, <laughs> just a quietly rich person or is this a public rich person? <laughs> quietly rich, quietly rich. The best kind of rich. The best, the best. I mean, definitely not an Anna Delvey type. I don't know if you've been watching the... Uh, the Netflix show. I haven't, but I, I love that Bill Maher quote, or Bill Maher, Bill Murray quote, where he says, you know, people always say they want to be rich and famous, to which I respond, try rich first and see if that doesn't yeah. solve most of your problems. Right, exactly. Like, n- no need no need to be famous if you're, if you're that rich. But enough about why I'm at Disney. We have so much to talk about today. I don't even know where to start. Um, <laughs> we have a lot of fan questions that people wrote in, but... Oh, yeah? Before we get into that, I feel like we'll start with like your life because it's very interesting. You were like this huge tween when we were all growing up. I'm 31. So like I got to see, I got to see you on like the Amanda show, like way back when, like I, I really got a lot of it. And then you were on this huge show, Drake and Josh, like your name was in the show, which is crazy. How did that affect your life? Like, do you even remember a time where you weren't like 
a name that people knew? Well, first of all, thank you. And I'm, I'm glad. I, I can't tell you how happy and pleased I am that they used my name for Drake and Josh. Because if I like had to be called Screech all the time, or <laughs> just like, you know, I'm just so glad that, that if people are going to say my name, it's my actual name. But I, um, you know, I, I don't know. When we made Drake and Josh, it, it, it's kind of a misnomer. It wasn't a very big show. I think it was big because it was on Nickelodeon to like a kid audience, but my life was like very normal. And I had this extraordinary job, but I would go home to like my two bedroom apartment at an Avalon and play hockey with my best friend, Len. And, and so I got to kind of live this like slightly normal existence while also having this very specific kind of incredible job at a young age. So I only think in the last five years has it felt like I became positively public because just generationally so many kids wound up growing up with the show. I think in large part, because it's, it's about a family. So it's like constantly relatable and it doesn't really, it's evergreen because everyone's got a weird family and, and might have a stepbrother that they, they are the opposite of. And then for the second reason is Nickelodeon doesn't pay residuals. So I feel like they've shown the show forever, which is dope. Right. So new generations discover it. Yeah, for sure. I feel like we have like weirdly a lot in common. Um, yeah. You grew up in New York City, right? Yes. So did I. And you're Jewish. So am I. And so like to me, I was like, oh, this is this is like, you know, this is just like this could be my neighbor. And so there was like so much to to pull from for you. The mishpuch. Exactly. And then another thing that was really relatable. I mean, everyone as a kid, especially like in America, like, you know, we were kids like we we don't care what we look like. I feel like back in the day, like there there was no Instagram growing up. Right. Like we we never had to like post photos of ourselves, And so we were just like we looked like kids, whereas today kids like are on TikTok and they're looking like 30 year olds when they're like 10, which is crazy. Such a good point. Yeah. It's it's scary. But you, you know, you look different right now, I would say, than you did as a kid, which most of us should. But you you lost over 100 pounds. And yeah. that was like for people who had watched you on air, like they were like, you know, that was, that was like a transition for people watching. What made you kind of explore like different lifestyle changes and kind of like take your your life into your hands when it came to your weight? Yeah, I, I think like recently we've sort of had in the last 10 years this idea of like body positivity and all these movements that were so necessary and right on and honoring like all different body types. And I I have a three-year-old son and we go to the mall a lot because we love commerce and a food court. And we'll walk around and I'll look in the windows and see like all these models that never would have been represented in the 90s. And I think it's such a movement in the right direction but when I was a kid, that it didn't exist. And so I was, you know, this overweight kid. And then I was doing it in this really public way. And I felt like I, I was nervous that I was introducing myself to the world in this body that I wasn't comfortable in. Mm -hmm. And I knew that on some level, like Jennifer Aniston might win an Academy Award one day and she'll deserve it. And yet she'll always be Rachel Green to some people. Like, yeah. And Steve Carell will always be Michael Scott. Like you can't choose your hits. You can't choose what enters the zeitgeist. It's like I say in the book, that's why Billy Joel won't play Uptown Girl anymore. But, you know, for me, I think my fear was, and what I was wrestling with was, 
I was doing something I loved in a body that I didn't love. And I didn't know whether if I did lose weight one day, I'd be able to sort of be able to be this new person without getting a lot of pushback from the audience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really fair. And that's such a good point. Like, we are always going to have, I remember like even Adele, like when she lost weight, like it's like everyone just, they're always going to form opinions. So the most important thing is that you're happy in the way that you feel and the way that you look. And it's not even about a number. It's just like, if you're like, if you want to feel good and like, that's what you want to put out into the, into the universe, then like, that's what people should be supportive of, you know? Yeah. We're so, we're so, absurdly obsessed with body image and I mean, it's odd to see someone, it's not odd, but it's rare to see someone lose that much weight. Like I did just in your personal life. And then for them to do it on television is even weirder. And I think that people certainly like they, they just married themselves to this image that they first had of me. And so then when I you know, I, I always like to say everyone has awkward teenage years and then they burn their yearbooks and, and swear their families to secrecy. But my awkward teenage years are in reruns. Yeah, right. That's, that's a lot. But it's true. I actually feel like I don't trust anyone that has never had an awkward year. Like I don't trust anyone that has never had like a, a not attractive phase or anyone that's never been dumped. To me, those people are not trustworthy. What do you think? Okay. So I, although I I slightly get resentful, like my wife and her, her sisters and her brother, damn it, I'll throw him into, they're gorgeous. They're like stunning Irish Catholic, athletic, tall people, tall humans. And my wife will like identify and, and I've seen the pictures and I get it. Like, she'll be like, Oh, when my sisters and I went through like a chubby stage or whatever. And I'm like, that was about 12 extra pounds. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, you don't know pain. Right. Literally. (laughs) You don't know what it's like. But then the worst is when like super pretty people will be like, I was so awkward as a kid. And like, it's crappy of me to take anything away from them because it was their own experience. And but it's like, it's always hard to have sympathy for the person who can't put on weight as opposed to the person who can't take off weight. Oh, totally. Uh, like <laughs> No sympathy here. But speaking of your wife, so you married, Paige is her name, right? Yeah. A few years ago, how did you guys meet? And did you feel like after you had kind of, you know, gotten in shape or whatnot, you had a high, like a different sense of confidence or you were always confident. You just like didn't feel good, you know? No, I wasn't confident at all. Like a part of the reason why, like I always say like being overweight or having extra weight on you can be a manifestation of more than one thing. It, it can purely be a manifestation of that you love to dine and drink and eat and experience and I would grow up watching kids who had extra weight on them, like whip off their shirt at the pool and give not a second thought. And then as we got older, they'd have girlfriends and all these things. And like, it didn't hold them back. And I think that's outstanding. I, I just, for me, it was a manifestation of being pretty uncomfortable in my own skin. Mm -hmm. So a big reason why I lost weight was because I wanted to kiss a girl. (laughs) And I wanted to like, I mean, I was, on TV. So I would get invited to some cool things at 16, 17 years old, but I was like, no, I got to stay home and alphabetize my DVDs because I just was not, (laughs) 
comfortable going yeah, out into uh-huh. the world like that. So yeah, when I, I definitely, when I lost a bunch of weight, um, I got down to my goal weight and started working out and getting in shape. There were, there were a couple of years where I was like probably too confident right. <laughs> was going out and, and I guess probably making up for lost times, but it, it was slightly short lived because I met my wife when I was 24 and she was 20. So we've been oh, wow. together a, a while. Yeah. How did you guys meet? At a, a Halloween party, her best friend, Megan, uh, was dating this guy, Tom. Shout out Tom for having the lit San Fernando Valley Halloween parties. And we both should never have been at that party at the same time, but we met and I got her phone number and uh, yeah, we just, we've been together ever since. And we were not dressed as anything cool, which is usually the, the next question when you see right, right, a right. Halloween party. How did you know that she was the one? I feel like we have so many listeners all the time who that's like their one question to anyone who's married. They're like, how did you know? Because maybe they're in a relationship and they're trying to figure it out um, themselves. I think that's, I, I really don't believe in love at first sight. And I don't, I don't think that exists. And like when people are really like hyped on someone in the first couple of weeks, I always want to be like, easy take it easy. Or I'm just like, it's done for it's too, too much too quick. Cause I think lust at first sight exists. I think attachment at first sight exists, but I think love is learned and love is in action. I always say like, if you're wondering what love is, it's like when you have food poisoning and someone's not judging you for what's going on in that bathroom and they mm-hmm. give you like saltines and Gatorade, like that's love. Like if you're with the right person for the right amount of time, through trial and tribulation, through challenge, through normal life events, they will prove themselves time and time again to be there for you. And, and it's just like a good friend. It's just like the same way that you would grow to love anyone in your life, even if it wasn't romantic, where you're like, oh, this person is a value. This person and I have a certain language with, it, where, with each other where it's comfortable. Like They'll reveal themselves to be the right person. So I don't think you have to, I don't think you have to seek it out or do anything specific other than being present in a relationship and try not to carry all your own old baggage into it. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And it's so true. Like your partner, it's cheesy, but they really do have to be your best friend. And like, there are so many situations that will come up. Like, you know, I was just talking to a friend of mine who's like going through IVF, like, you know, Mm. with her pregnancy and, and like, her husband has to like stab her with needles. Like you have to go through some weird ass stuff like as in, in your partnership. And like, if they're not your best friend, like that's not going to work. Cause like they have to love you at like every light that you're showing them. Like not only when you're like dressed up and, and looking good. So that's very, very true. But I also think like the best friend thing, it's it's like my, my best friend is Len. (laughs) My buddy Len. Yeah. My wife is my wife. Yeah. And they're different roles. Like, right. I remember I, I talked to my buddy CJ, who's like, who also goes by the moniker Super Chris. Shout out Super Chris. He had been married for a long time. And when Paige and I were like, we've been dating for a while. And like, the idea of marriage was on the horizon, but we weren't there yet. And I said to him something like, I was like, you know, I was like, we love each other and it's great. I said, I was like, look, we don't really like debate politics. And he's like, you don't want to debate politics with your wife. He's like, it's your wife. He's like, debate right. politics with me when we smoke cigars. He's like, do you think that your wife's going to be a great mom? Like, do you think your wife is there for you? Like, 
those are the traits you should be looking because I think it can be a trap sometimes that people think like their partner has to be all things at all time, right. but they're not. And sometimes my wife will be going through something and straight up say to me, like, my best friends are more equipped to help me with this than you are. And I'll be like, great. Like, I'll, do you want me to put you like, I'll, you want me to get them on the phone for you? Like, yeah. So yeah, yeah I, I, I hear what you're saying. I feel like, okay, we'll amend it. Your partner should be your closest friend, right? Like your closest and dearest. And then like, you got to have your best friends. Like there's always going to be things. And like, you're right. Your partner can't be every single thing to you. Like there's going to be conversations that you have with your friends that like you would never have with your wife or husband and vice versa. And that's, that's totally fine. But like they should, but I think in an ideal situation, other than the politics thing, because like, I don't want to talk about politics with my husband. Uh Like they should, like you should be okay going to them for most things, you know? Totally. Yeah. Oh yeah. My, my friend Paula put it best. I remember I, I bought my wife the, the, her, the engagement ring, like in, I don't know, November, but I couldn't figure out the best time, like the right time to do it. And I also knew I wanted to ask her, her dad for permission because they don't make them like me anymore. And (laughs) (laughs) so before all that, I'm like, you know, and and I'm neurotic and Jewish. So I'm like, just, I'm not vacillating, but I'm just like, wow, this is such a step. And I asked my friend Paula, who the best advice I can give anyone who's, who's seeking a relationship is ask for advice from friends whose relationship you look up to. Mm -hmm. And I think that's so important. And I asked my friend Paula, who had been married many years to her husband, and they have a cool relationship. I was like, how do you know? And she said, well, is Paige the first person you want to call when something good happens and also when something bad happens? And I said, yeah. And she's like, does she make you laugh? And I said, yeah. She goes, no, then you know. Yeah, I like that. I agree with those points. And especially like, don't go go to your friends whose relationships are terrible for dating advice. That's the worst. Or if they're single. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's like the blind leading the blind. As I talked about before, the food at Disney World was just insane. And when I'm on vacation, obviously I'm going to eat whatever I want. And so should you. But now that I'm back, back to work, I feel like I forgot what fruits and vegetables even were at all. So I need to get back on my fruits and veggies game. And that's why I'm keeping my freezer stocked with Daily Harvest smoothies. Daily Harvest is the easiest way to get more fruits and veggies into my day every day. They have my back with delicious options that are good for me and good for the planet. They deliver delicious smoothies that are all built on organic fruits and vegetables right to your door and they conveniently stay fresh in your freezer. All you need is to put them in a blender. It's really amazing. They take minutes to prepare and they never use preservatives, added sugar, or artificial anything. They also have other options like breakfast, a snack, or even dessert. Yeah, they have ice cream and it is amazing. So definitely check out Daily Harvest, especially if you want some more fruits and veggies or just really yummy food in your life. They make it easy to feel good about what I'm doing for myself and the planet. Go to dailyharvest.com slash Acme to get up to $40 off your first box. 
That's dailyharvest.com slash Acme for up to $40 off your first box. Dailyharvest.com slash Acme. Check it out. I personally love the chocolate and blueberry smoothie, but a lot of people love the strawberry and peach too. So you really can't go wrong. Check it out. Dailyharvest.com slash Acme now. If you didn't catch last week's episode, it's an absolute must. Melissa is amazing, so articulate, and her story is one that you will not forget, particularly her relationship and how it happened. I think that the tools that she gave us in last week's episode are so helpful for meeting people organically and obviously for meeting people on a dating app. And one of those dating apps probably the most important dating app to really meet someone who authentically is the right person for you is OkCupid. Because OkCupid is one of the only dating apps, if not the only dating app that actually cares about your opinions. They're not just asking you prompts. They're asking you like serious questions. Maybe it's about politics. Maybe it's about kids. Maybe it's about you know, just how you're looking at the world right now. OkCupid is the place to go because they ask you so many questions that they end up being able to pair you with someone who's actually a match, not just someone who, you know, has a good picture because that doesn't matter in the end. And this person definitely will care about things that you care about, like puppies, because, you know, dog and cat people can't really go together. Or maybe they can't, I don't know. We should ask that as a poll. Oh, I think we have actually, and I'm right. So anyway, don't waste any more of your time. If you're going on apps and you're not having any luck, but you're not using OkCupid, the joke's on you really. Download it in the dating app section of your app store today. OkCupid is how you spell it. It's pretty easy. It's free. So you have no excuse. And if you don't try it, then really you're missing out. OkCupid, download it in the app store today. Was it ever like something or thought that crossed your mind about Paige isn't Jewish, right? Like, did you ever care about that? Did you ever want her to convert or like want to raise your son Jewish or were you just like, we'll make it work with both? No, I've certainly, Sarah Silverman has this great joke where she says, I just really want to do as much as I can now that's fun and things that I enjoy. Cause I know when I turn 50, all I'll care, care about is Israel. (laughs) (laughs) That's really good. (laughs) I, I feel certainly like <laughs> growing up as a boy, you know, as a teen, like there's no cool Jewish role models who are in the NBA. Like, right. and then you, especially being a creative Jew, like in my twenties and thirties, I'm like, Oh my God, I'm in great company. And I love being Jewish and I've embraced it and I'm older and I want my son to have some of those traditions, but no. Cause like my wife's an awesome Catholic, like she's great at her version of, I, I actually think what would have been really hard would have been if she was like a staunch atheist, because I, I believe that her and I are seeking the same thing. We just call it something different. And we're also totally open. We do Hanukkah, we do Christmas, you know, people, when you're in sort of an interfaith marriage, they'll always say, well, what are you going to raise the kid? And we, we're like, happy. We're going for happy and we'll see what comes of that. So we, we give them everything. And, and if at 12, he's like, I'd love to have a bar mitzvah, then awesome. 
Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I feel like there's been... I've been to so many interfaith marriages recently and they do such a tasteful job of it. And, you know, it's 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 not something that matters. And I like what you said about like, you're, you both have the same goal with like Catholic... Catholicism is that what they say? They call Catholicism, it? Catholicism, and, yeah, yeah. and Judaism. It's like it's just about like keeping the traditions alive and like the family meeting up for like you know holidays and things like that. So yeah, okay. So you are extremely impressive to me as like someone who was a child star. I feel like you're one of the few people that are still like extremely relevant, um, <laughs> and you're good at that. Like you've done kind of everything. Like you were on Vine when it was a thing, you know, YouTube, TikTok, all the stuff. Like, how do you continue to to stay up on that stuff? Like, I feel like I'm falling behind, especially on YouTube. I'm not good on my YouTube game. But like, how do you do that? And like, you're, you're close friends with like David Dobrik and like all the, the younger YouTube guys. Like, how do you continue to like understand everything that's going on? Thank you. I, I think in a corny way, I, I like hate the, I, I used to always just hate the term artist because it seemed bougie and just sort of like um, impressed with yourself. But I, I really like creating and I don't really judge the medium. So I think like my ability in which to be adaptable to not say when I started on Vine, like, but I've had success success in traditional TV and movies. Like, is this some weird step down or how will people think of me now that I'm doing this thing? Cause you know, that was 2013 now in 2022, like we know that there is no line between social media person, creator, and traditional star. But then there were less examples. And I just knew, I, I was listening to Mayim Bialik interviewed Blossom, for anyone who doesn't know. And and I look up to her too, because she too like was a kid star, obviously, who right. has grown to do so much cool stuff. And she says, it seems as though I have an affinity for or maybe some talent doing this thing that allows me to play pretend at this heightened level that I put on makeup and a costume and I play pretend every, all the byproducts that come with that, the red carpets, the billboards, the media, the press, I'm really not interested in. And I think that's sort of been my saving grace. And similarly for me, like I enjoy making the content. And, and maybe sometimes in a small way, it's to my detriment because I'm really not measured. Like sometimes my wife will be like, don't put that out. It makes you look like a goofball. But I'm like, but it makes you laugh. But, you know, I could maybe do a better job at honing a persona or maybe making myself only uh, slightly more mysterious and in your face all the time. But it's because I, I enjoy creating no matter sort of what the media and social yeah. media helps me do that. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. And like just, you know, being friends with people who have like such big followings, like do you feel like that like keeps you in the know of like what the current trend is also? I think so. I mean, look, when TikTok came around, I was like, that's it. I got enough on my plate. I got yeah. a kid. It's enough. I'm I'm still having, you know, like Vine fall out. You know, this is too much like Vine. And, and of course, a year later, I was on it because it was like inescapable. So I find like, yeah, I try, but also like, I also try to do things that are appropriate for me and the things that wind up not working and, and don't resonate or when I'm trying to capture what 
19 year olds think yeah. is funny. Totally. Or, you know? Yeah. It's all about like, you know, we still like as millennials, like there's a lot of us out there, like we can entertain each other and we don't have to pretend to try to be like Gen Z. I'm with you. Like anytime I try to recreate some sort of Gen Z TikTok vibe, I'm like embarrassed for myself. Same here. (laughs) So you are sober, right? Yeah. Okay. I'm sober too. I've been sober for over three and a half years and it's being sober is awesome. It really, it really fucking is. Um, what encouraged you to get sober? And what was like, if you had one, your rock bottom? So I was really overweight throughout most of my life as a kid, which was sort of like my first foray into overdoing things. I, I overdo it and I was numbing. As I said, like my weight was a byproduct or a manifestation of deep discomfort that I was feeling inside. and so. I used food to numb those things, to not have to face that pain. And, and um, some of the realities of the way I grew up and never meeting my dad and, and dealing with having this public persona while also being incom- uncomfortable in my own skin. So once I lost all that weight, I thought I'd be all better. I like, thought I'd arrive at the finish line and get an instant girlfriend and everything would just be erased. But of course, I was like the same head in a different body. So then when I discovered drugs and alcohol, I was like, oh, this is so much more efficacious and so few calories. Like this seems far more reasonable. And I, I say it was like I traded a Prius for a Ferrari with no brakes. And, mm-hmm. and drugs and alcohol were great for me because A, it was like this incredibly strong sort of numbing sensation. But also like as a kid who like grew up always different, like no dad, single mom, musical theater kid, fat, quasi-famous, like all these things that made me feel terribly different and which was the thing I'd been running from my whole life. Like I just wanted to be typical, not even special. Like the reason I always loved acting, but I think a big reason why I started initially was like, oh, maybe this can just help put me on an even footing with everyone else. Because otherwise, like, I'm just like the broke chubby kid, you know, growing up with like a single parent. Mm-hmm. And certainly that's not the way I look at it now. But then through the, the lens of a 14-year-old, I, I didn't really know what I was saying. So I've, when I found drugs and alcohol, it was like this water truck in the middle of the desert. And I basically began to set my life on, on fire rapidly. And I had a couple big bottoms. One in particular was ruining my relationship with Judd Apatow. Oh one, no, please elaborate. <laughs> okay, yeah. I, I tell this in the book. I, I finished Drake and Josh and I auditioned for this Judd Apatow movie and I'm called Drillbit Taylor that he was producing. Mm-hmm. And he was mad cool as he's always been. And he said, listen, the part you auditioned for is not right for you, but you're funny. So I'll write a small part in the movie for you. Just come and be funny in scenes and we'll figure out places for you to, to fit and, and write jokes for other people. Just come hang out, be one of the guys. So I said, yes. And I'm on set and the first couple of days went great. And I, I'll never forget. He said to me behind the monitor one day, he's like, you know, I'm working on this other movie. Maybe you want to stop by and maybe you could write jokes for that. And I was like, Oh yeah. What's it called? And he said, um, super bad. Oh wow. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I'll try to make it. I didn't make it, Lindsay. Oh, no. <laughs> and I basically proceeded to be 
unreliable, late. I wasn't a monster. I was just a bummer. You know, yeah, I would right. hang on a hang out on my trailer and not go to set and like do what I was asked to do, which was be funny and help. Mm -hmm. And it kind of all resulted in, I was warned. They were like, Judd's going to be on set this day. Don't be late. You like to be late. Don't be late. And of course I was, I was like 45 minutes late. And I, I went home and, and got an email from Judd that basically said like, this is unacceptable and it will always be unacceptable on this set or any other set because you cost us money and time when you're late and you're great at being funny, but your professionalism needs work. Oh, and wow. Yeah. Luckily, yeah. Judd hasn't done much for funny Jewish guys, so I don't regret it. <laughs> Just everything. Um, <laughs> Only everything. Where does but your relationship with him stand now? Are you good? He's awesome. He's always been awesome. I'm sure yeah. that I've thought about this 100 times more than he's ever thought right, about right, it. Right. I just think, like I said, I don't, I wasn't like some monster. I just think yeah. I, I blew an opportunity right? and I, I've thus seen, I've since seen him and he's been lovely as yeah. he always was. So, but yeah, there were so many moments like that or running from the police or breaking my mom's heart on a daily basis where I was like, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. What was yeah. your bottom? Oh God, where do I start? <laughs> Mine was weird because I like I was really heavily addicted to weed, which is a really funny thing because no one thinks it's addictive. And like no. you you kind of get shit for it in like the world of, of addiction, unless people get it. And some people do. And um, when I didn't have weed, I wasn't like, I wasn't sleeping. I wasn't eating. I wasn't functioning. And I went on a family vacation and I didn't have weed. It was like an amazing vacation that like, I should have, it was once in a lifetime and I really should have been there and present and enjoying it. And I was like withdrawing from weed, which is so pathetic. And I decided to like ruin everyone else's trip. Like right. it was, it was awful. And then, and then of course, like I come back from the trip and start smoking weed again. And so it was like a year after that, that I kind of realized that like that among other things like it wasn't just weed it was just that was my favorite there was just it was it was enough already like it was like when when I woke up and I didn't want to do something and I still did it anyway you know mm. um I was like I gotta I gotta stop and I was putting it in front of everything in my life like just escaping wanting to escape from everything like if I went on a bad date it's fine I'll just like smoke a joint drink tequila I won't remember it so it won't it didn't happen you know and I think eventually I just wanted to like actually face things in my life and and it changed my life for the better so i'm really grateful for it that's awesome and by the way weed is strong as fuck like we it are is. no longer smoking the dirt weed of the 60s it's so strong these days like i think maybe it was like my mom or like someone recently like hit a joint and was like this is not what I grew up with at all. Like this is like, like I was high for like three days from one hit of a joint in California. Like it's crazy. Terrifying. It's terrifying. Okay. Now we're going to get to some fan questions. These can be like more rapid fire unless you want to get into it, in which case, please. What is it like being on How I Met Your Father? It's so great. I'm reboot Randy over here because I've literally <laughs> done like, I did Fuller House, Turner and Hooch, how I Met Your Father <laughs> and iCarly all within like two years of each other. So a lot of great new ideas in Hollywood, which is awesome. <laughs> but 
Dude, How I Met Your Father is great. I, I couldn't love that cast more. Hillary's just like an icon. She's easy to have a crush on, which is great because we play like boyfriend and girlfriend on the show. And I've so enjoyed it. And I, I wish that the premise of the show wasn't so, so that she probably has to date around for a couple of seasons before we find out who the father is. So I get to hang out more, but it's, it's great. Love it. Love it. Um, okay. You're a Scorpio. Do you feel like a typical Scorpio? I mean, I don't know how much you know about it. Wait, well, when's your birthday? I'm actually, I actually have the same birthday as Hillary Duff, which is hilarious. September 28th. Okay. So you're Libra. I am. Oh, you know, things. Libra, you're the scales. Yeah. Libras are cool. They're, they're, they're cool. I've, I've certainly had a crush on a Libra in, in my past. So what do you mean? Like the Scorpios? Okay, like, like Scorpios get a bad rep, you know? No, is that what you're asking? Like, am yeah, I the like, do you feel like, because you're giving me like lighthearted, you know, outgoing vibes, whereas some Scorpios, not all, but some yeah. Scorpios can be more introverted and like calculating. Yeah, I think I have a part of that. Like, I'm November 10th, right? So I'm like dead in the middle. Like I'm a proper, I'm not like Libra adjacent or Sag moon right, rising. Right, right. I'm 100%. But I've also heard in astrology that Scorpio has different representations and it can be like the scorpion, a serpent or a mm. phoenix. And mm. my friend, my wife's best friend, Samantha, once described Scorpios. And I thought this was so much better than like, oh, you're all a bunch of kinky freaks. Yeah, <laughs> You know, I was like, that's true. She's like, the thing about Scorpios is you guys can build the most beautiful kingdoms. You mm. just have to burn the city down first. Oh, I, and like, I was like that. that. That's me. Like, that's, that's the Phoenix. Amazing. Yeah. All yeah. Scorpios listening. Um, and Scorpios are having a moment right now. Like Pete Davidson's a Scorpio and he's thriving. He is flourishing. He's flourishing. And your wife is a Sagittarius, which I ha- I stalked her to find out. Um, not physically stalked, don't worry. Um, <laughs> and I love Sagittarius. They're amazing. And that must balance you out because she's got like optimistic energy and like those vibes. Yeah, but they're, they're a fire sign too. So they're pretty like... Yeah, fiery. They have their moment. Stubborn, like in a good way. She's just like very set on what she knows is right or wrong. And mm-hmm. and my best friend Len is a Sag too. So it's, it's I'm good with Sagittarius for sure. I love it. Okay. I know that you met Paige at 24, but like you must have dated around a little bit. You said you did. Did you yeah. ever go on dating apps or were those like not a thing when you were in your 20s? No. Well, A, they didn't exist then. And like even now, if they did, I'm like, but I'm Josh from Drinking Josh. Like I feel like I would date <laughs> yeah, it's like, that fish. It's, it's fully. I mean, um, maybe Raya, but Raya's fucking corny. It's the worst. I hated every single Raya date I ever went on. Everyone was like, yeah, I'm a photographer. Like, it's uh, goodbye. Yeah, um, forget about it. Looking back, what was the cringiest thing you've been a part of? I mean, like, just in general, professionally, like... Mm-hmm. In general. I've done so... Oh God, I've done so much cringy stuff in my life. Like, I... <laughs> I mean, I was in this movie, Red Dawn, with Chris Hemsworth, another reboot, where I played his brother, and I literally was so out of my depth. Like, I was 23. I was getting played. First of all, I was being cast to play Chris Hemsworth's brother, which I'm sorry, but I, I feel like the casting director might have been blind because <laughs> I cannot pass. And I was so, like, in this new body, but not sure where I fit that I just thought I had to do a bad impression of Chris Hemsworth in the movie. So I'm literally like 
the movie's fine. I'm just awful in it. Like I, I, I just like stood there in a lot of scenes and just like posed <laughs> and like tried to look like Robert Pattinson in Twilight <laughs> and just like mad understood and whatnot. I think someone, one of the reviews was like, like wondering if Josh Peck has like a um, mental illness. Um, and the best part was that there, Oh, and then there was this actress in the movie. Her name's Isabel Lucas and she's very beautiful. And, and I remember I was so, I had such a big crush on her that I literally avoided her the whole movie. Oh. Like I wouldn't go near her because I was so overwhelmed. And she played my girlfriend in the movie. And so like, oh, imagine so funny. how I made it for her where like the guy <laughs> who's supposed to be her boyfriend's like literally like avoiding eye contact with you. That is so funny. I didn't think people actually did that when they had a crush. Okay. <laughs> um, what, oh, how old were you when you got sober? I forgot to ask you that. 21. Okay, so you were sober already when you met Paige. Yes. Love it. Do you ever speak to Amanda Bynes? Do you know how she's doing? I spoke to her last year and we ran into each other a few times. And I just, I just love her. You know, when I was 14 or 13 and I got a part in the Amanda show, I showed up and basically the president of Nickelodeon had met me and took a liking to me. This guy, Albie Hecht, who I owe so much of my career to. And I think he like strongly suggested to the producers in the Amanda show who had no interest in giving me the job that they put me on the show. So I show up and they, they kind of iced me for the first half of the season. Like they didn't know what to do with me. So I played like waiter number three in different sketches and whatnot. But instead of being resentful, I just really sat and watched Amanda. Cause I was like, this person is only six months older than me, but she is so ahead of me in talent and ability and I was like, I just need to like be her apprentice. And I just watched and she was incredibly cool then. And she's incredibly cool now. Like selfishly, like I want to see her act more just because I'm such a fan. She's so crazy talented and, and has always been like the loveliest. Yeah. I'm such a fan too. I like weirdly, one of her favorite movies, which like people don't talk about is Hairspray. I thought she was amazing in Hairspray. Yeah, she's a man. Like, there's just so mm-hmm. many. And there's really no one like her even now. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Okay, last question. How'd you get involved with the vlog squad? I think, you know, early on when I started doing, you know, social media and then Vine ended and I went to Instagram and then eventually I got into YouTube, you know, I had become friends with these different people in social media and I didn't want to do YouTube because I was like, this is such a time requirement. And I just didn't think I had the ability. Mm-hmm. And then randomly one day, my friend Jason Nash called me and he's like, Hey, I've been shooting with this kid and he wants to do this sketch and he knows that I know you, would you have any interest? And I said, sure. You know, I've been, I've been dabbling in YouTube a little bit. I'd love to actually see how you guys are doing it. And we shot this sketch together, um, the three of us. And, and basically it, it led to like the next two years of working together and making videos. And I think whether it was Jason or David or Jonah and Joe, who are two of my closest buddies or, you know, Liza, all these people, like I was getting a masterclass in social media and YouTube and like how these people were doing it much like with Amanda, like, and I just became an observer. I remember, I, I think I shot for six months and never uploaded a video and people would make fun of me. They'd say like, are you just creepily watching this footage in your house? Like, <laughs> what are you going to do with this? But 
it was like I needed to be around it to absorb the rhythms to understand like how to do this properly. And now my face is up on the wall of Jonah's kebab. So I've truly made it. It's better yeah. than an Oscar. It's amazing. <laughs> um, okay. We usually end our episodes with like a quote or piece of advice. Maybe it's something from your new book, but what's something that you can share with us? Oh man. I would say the bad times are here to teach us and the good times are here to remind us what we're fighting for. Love it. Awesome. Yeah. Where can everyone find you on social, on YouTube, on all the channels and read your new book? Happy people are annoying. Oh man. Well, thank you. And I uh, check out my podcast, Male Models with me and Joe Volpes, just <laughs> talking about being like high fashion male models, which is our <laughs> profession. And, and then uh, my book, Happy People Are Annoying. Uh, you can find it at Amazon, Barnes and Noble and wherever they sell books. Cool. Thank you so much, Josh. Dude, love chatting. Thank you for having me. 